for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Glenn Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Well, I want to begin, I already began, I guess, but I want to begin with a true story uh, that relates to praying for Israel to these 21 days of, of prayer. Uh, it's kind of like, I've, has anybody in here ever shot a hole in one in golf? You have, you have? Yeah, on my Yeah. Well... I have never shot a hole in one. I've never, I'm, I don't know wherever or however, but I would say this, as exciting as getting a hole in one would be, it would be really sad if there was no one to witness your hole in one. So you guys who shot a hole, did you have someone witness it? And I'm not talking about a putt-putt golf course, you know. <laughs> hey! You had a witness? Okay. All right. Greg, did you have a witness? No. Well, Jesus witnessed it, and he's happy. So. But I, I, in a sense, in this prayer room in 2009, I'm calling this a prayer room because it's used as a prayer room way more than, than a service on a Sunday, but there was like a hole-in-one that happened, and uh, I had a witness. She's in Canada now, one of our faithful um, intercessors back in those days, Karen Gittatecki. Uh, anybody remember Karen and Jim? All right, yay. There, uh, she would work 40 hours plus a week at HEB, come in in her HEB red shirt and, and pray for hours. And it was a Wednesday afternoon, and I would set my table up back there where Frank and Norma are. I'd set my table up, and um, that was like where my office was. And, but that afternoon, I felt particularly moved to pray for Israel for hours. I mean, there are these prayers, you know, there's Psalm 80, uh, Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 33, Psalm 102. I'm praying all this, and I'm about two hours into it on a Wednesday afternoon, I'm like, honestly, I asked the question, Lord, am I kind of going insane? Yeah. I mean, this is really wacky. I, I have no bloodline of Israel, Jewish blood that I know of. I mean, in Lakeway, Texas, and here I am spending hours, you know, pastoring this church, and you're like, what? And I just said, Lord, I kind of need to know, am I way off? What's going on? About 15 to 25 minutes later, I'm back at the table there. Well, there's not a table there, but I'm picturing in my mind. I'm on, I'm on, uh, I'm there at a table. Karen's back here, kind of where Fred, Frederick is, or Ashton, she was praying, and these two women walk in, one dressed in all, like bright gold, sequiny, like yellow, and the other in purple. They didn't have Muslim head things, so I wasn't sure. Later I went, okay, they're not Muslim, but they, they both got 5'2", and they come over, same height, they come over and they said, excuse me, sir, I, I saw your sign. We saw your sign that says prayer room open to the public. Man, I didn't know I'd get torn up. 
But that's, what's hap- that's what happens when you fast. You get a little emotional. Like you're like toned, I mean, stuff's down and then stuff's turned up. But they came in and they said, excuse me, sir. Um, it says, prayer room open to the public. Can we pray? And I, I said, sure. And, uh, but I thought, you know, this was a time of a lot of terrorist attacks. And so part of me was like, you know, uh, Karen knew uh, martial arts. I'm like, oh, no, glad Karen's. But these two women, they come over here to this screen. They kneel down. And as soon as they kneel down, Mike Bickle from the International House of Prayer comes on the prayer room in the prayer room screen. And he starts praying in a Psalm 102. And he went for 10 plus minutes praying for the salvation of, of Israel, the Jewish people. And I mean, he never takes that long that I knew of. I was like, Karen, are you seeing this? Make sure they don't have little, you know, AK-47s under their stuff. And seriously, that's where my mind was. I wasn't, I'm not joking. And I was like, about 10 minutes later, he finishes, they get up, they come back over to the table, and they said, and one of them had a tear. I'm pretty sure it was, um, you know, she had a tear in her eye. She said, thank you, we'll be back. Now, I've lived in Lakeway since 1998. <clears throat> I haven't ever seen anyone dressed like that before or since. I've gone to websites and seen, is this like an Iraqi outfit or a middle, and there was nothing I could find <clears throat> that... And then I took my GPS and went, did they face Mecca? Because that's what Muslims do. I'm like, nope, that wasn't it. You know, Middle East is kind of this way, right? Kyle, okay, because we did that. So anyway, I'm, I'm back, I'm there, and all I can tell you is they said they'd be back, too. And uh, not like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, like, we'll be back, you know. But they said, we'll be back. And so all I know is what that's done is it has locked me in to this prayer assignment for the salvation of Jewish people and for the protection of Israel for all these years. And I don't know what that meant, we'll be back, but I do know. And by the way, I shared this story to not brag like, I'm so spiritual, and I believe they were angels. Anybody think, you know, we want to, if that's going to happen, right? Because you've never seen them since, you know. But I'm not up here bragging, going, look how spiritual I am. Two angels show up. I'm like, the Lord's like, easy, little guy. I brought those angels in, cause, not because you're so strong and spiritual, but because you're so weak. And I needed to shock you <laughs> into saying yes to your assignment. One of your assignments is to be a watchman on the wall for Jerusalem. And so I believe that's, that's a holy kiss of the Lord on this congregation for us to, to help us to, to stay engaged in this uh, miscalling. Roman numeral two, as we begin this 21-day fast for Israel, I want to just say right off the bat, I'm very hungry right now, very physically weak <laughs> already. Uh, I won't tell you exactly what I'm doing for the 21 days, but I learned uh, I have electrolytes right there, so 
I learned my lesson with that. But uh, anyway, I had to have a little talk with the kolache out in the lobby. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it's not you, it's me talk, you know. Because the kolache's like, what? Uh, and, uh, and the chocolate donut that I usually get to was offended and... You know, I don't know that I swayed them, but um, but anyway, I told them I'd be back in uh, in June. Uh, but the 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 seriously, what this Roman numeral two says is, as we already did, is pray and ask the Lord to give you strength. You know, you have not because you ask not. So ask Him to strengthen you. You you get more when you ask for more in so many areas. Ask him. He he wants you to ask him, and that's a that's a big a big part of it. Paragraph A. It is a sober responsibility to take on any kind of commitment in the kingdom. It's sober. It's not all yay. It's 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 sober. Uh, Kiva Cohen. I can say his last name. I think I said C in there, but anyway, he's he is a major leader in Jerusalem, a messianic leader, and Dan Juster, another major leader there, or uh, Tikkun Ministries. But Akiva emailed me a few weeks ago and said, hey, have you heard about the fast? And I wrote him back some, and, and, uh, and uh, Kyle uh, texted him or emailed him back and said, you and Dan, those two leaders, can you put their pictures up? Maybe it might help you see who they are. I think I sent you those pictures, Akiva Cohen and Dan Jester. said, you and Dan will be front and center in our targeted 21 days of intercession. And Akiva wrote back, I loved your LTPR video. So he got, went on our website, saw our video, and Mike Bickle's video about it. Uh, can't, here's what he said, can't tell you how honored and encouraged I am. I will let Dan know. So they are, he watches this service from Jerusalem. <laughs> and uh, then yesterday I woke up to another email from uh, Akiva, you know, from Jerusalem. You know, when you wake up in the morning and the first thing you see is an email from Jerusalem from someone who's a general in the faith, it's going to be a good day. It was a good day. He wrote me and he, uh, <clears throat> he said... Uh, Come, he, he writes back, come on, Jesus, exclamation point. May the Lord empower you and Kyle and others who will be interceding for my fellow Jewish people during this incredible global prayer event. This is a rebuilding of Nehemiah's walls season. And you are key intercessors for the return of the Holy Spirit and Yeshua's glory to Jerusalem and the return of his ancient covenant people to bow before the Holy One of Israel and his royal king, the glory of Israel. So today's message isn't directly about the Isaiah 52 fast. I have a real light yoke. I'm not trying to recruit anybody to do it. Just, try, just, just obey the Lord. But I thought it would be wise to give kind of a get up in a helicopter and take a big picture as to what it is to be an intercessor. What it means to be an intercessor, <clears throat> and, uh, and then to ask every one of us a pointed question. Will you be an intercessor? 
You don't have to be. It's your choice. But will you? I'm not asking for a show of hands, but just I'm asking myself that very question as well. Um, I'm going to share seven characteristics of an intercessor. I mean, I'm not just talking about for Israel. <clears throat> You're an intercessor for your spouse, for your family, for the children, for your neighborhood, for your workplace, for your, for your home, you know, for your church, for your city, for your region, for your nation. So that's, it's all about that. And I'll just tell you, there's a holy boomerang. When you pray out there, good stuff comes back to you. Just saying. It happens. It happens. So I want to um, just kind of give that. Uh, it's an important question to ask. Uh, will you be an intercessor because of the days we're living in? I mean, I'm not going to rant this today. I'm not going to get on my lawn and with my shotgun and tell you how bad things are. You know how bad things are in our world. You know that I would say unprecedented levels of upheaval and darkness, spiritual darkness, um, unlike in my lifetime. Now, I do remember vaguely when I was three years old, um, the Cuban Missile Crisis. I was, it was 1962, October 16th through the 29th. Anybody remember the Cuban Missile Crisis, okay? So, so yeah. <laughs> so that was obviously serious time because the United States was under uh, threat of nuclear war with Russia. Khrushchev, uh, the prime minister, the premier of, of Russia, had put missiles onto Cuba, Cuban soil, and John F. Kennedy, President John F. Kennedy, said if you said, if you don't get those out of there, we're going to fight. And so, um, you know, I wasn't three years old reading all this on my iPhone going, wow, this is really bad. I'm three years old. My brother's like five. My, uh, my parents, my dad, we lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is uh, to the east of us are the Sandia Mountains. And my dad actually was Air Force. He bought a, um, he bought a bomb shelter. So we went to Safeway grocery store, loaded up our uh, yellow um, station wagon with the wood paneling on the sides. All right, can I have an amen for, you know, all right. So we loaded that thing up, and I'm like, this is awesome. Little Debbies and little sausages and all, you know, we're just... I mean, bags and bags. I mean, they, I literally was lying on the, in the back of that station wagon on top of groceries, <laughs> thinking, this is, I don't know what we're doing, but this is awesome. So I wasn't worried about the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, but we were heading up to the mountains to go to our bomb shelter. And before we actually got there to unpack, I think Khrushchev had uh, relented and taken them out of the way. But that... That threat was one specific military threat of nuclear annihilation. And that's happening today. In fact, Israel right now is facing potential uh, attack from Iran because they now have nuclear, operational nuclear capability. I believe that at least most sources say that they do. And they have sworn to try to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. So, uh, but... We're seeing these threats 
in a multi-pronged assault of evil. Not just foreign, but domestic, um, all kinds of things. So, so will you be an intercessor? Will you be an intercessor? The time, it's important time to, to really think about that. Um, as we already looked at 2 Chronicles 16.9, we actually already prayed it. The Lord wants to show himself strong to those who will take on the mantle to, to pray and to uh, be fully, fully devoted. 2 Timothy 2, I mean, excuse me, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, Paul tells us that when you gather, he's telling Timothy, but I believe it's a principle, he's saying, whenever believers gather, I urge, first of all, that you pray. He makes prayer primary, and one of the things he says in the, the prayer is that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and giving of thanks. So one of the main uh, parts of prayer is intercession. The word intercession, Roman numeral three, to intercede literally means to come in between. Intercede. And so what an intercessor does is he or she comes in between God and the object of God's just wrath and impending judgment, an interceder, an, intercess, an intercessor, one who intercedes, sees that God is completely just in releasing judgment, but he or she says, Lord, have mercy. All, that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is God, is God wants to bless his people. Okay, so an, inter an intercessor not only stands between and saying, Lord, have mercy if, to fend off the bad, an intercessor opens the door and makes room for the good to come, the good that's in God's heart to bless his people. Because you see, there are no barriers on God's side to healing, salvation, deliverance, all... Because Jesus said it is finished on the cross, right? But why don't we walk in all of it? Because there's barriers on man's side. Not just, not because you sin, but just we're in a fallen world. I mean, I can give you a whole, whole slew of reasons why. Boy, the lights are going. Is God just cheering me on here or something? Um, but the... The intercessor is, is saying, Lord, would you fend off the bad, and Lord, would you release the good? Would you relent in what you righteously could do, and would you release what's in your heart to do? Now, that's quite a calling, isn't it? In a time of crisis, God doesn't look for the billionaire or the tech uh, giant to change everything. He doesn't look for the governmental leader, the president, to change things. He doesn't look for the athlete, for the LeBron James, or the Oscar-winning actor or actress. He looks for the intercessor. 
Where's that in the Bible? Ezekiel 22.30. And I, Israel was facing horrible time of attack. Ezekiel 22.30. God says, and I looked for... It's, wait, it's not even in your list there. It's in your notes. I looked for a man or a woman among them. For one who would stand in the gap before me for the land that I would not destroy it. But I found it. No one. I was in I was in high school, early college days. When I read that, something went off in me. Not on my watch, Lord. Don't let me be part of the the group that you can't find. He's looking for one to stand in the gap. As long as there's one who'll stand in the gap, there's hope. There's hope for your family if one of your family members is praying. There's hope for your city if there's one who'll come to a prayer room or go to a prayer closet. There's hope as long as I can find one. And so thankfully, right now, today, over 5 million in the world are praying for Israel for the salvation of Jewish people, for the protection from civil war and from nuclear annihilation. Over 5 million. I could save higher numbers, but we'll just leave it at that. He's finding not in that hour is that happening. So that's what to intercede means. Some of the greatest servants of the Bible, <clears throat> when I say... Abraham, Moses, Daniel, Esther. You think, wow, those are heroes, right? And that heroes hotline, yeah. Hero hotline, yes. But did you realize that Abraham, Moses, Daniel, Esther were great, powerful intercessors? They were powerful intercessors. And there are seven characteristics about them that I want to talk about here. And then we will pray at the end. We're going to pray that Psalm 102, that those verses that Mike Bickle got up when those two angels, I'll say angels. I mean, y'all can say I'm overly dramatic, but <laughs> I could be wrong. But anyway, um, so seven characteristics of an intercessor. First, intimacy with God. An intercessor talks with God as a man would his friend. You talk to him. An intercessor talks to him. When you think about um, Abraham, I, particularly I see Abraham and Moses as talking to God. Okay? Abraham, I'll throw this out. That's not in your notes, I don't think, but in Genesis 18, did you know Abraham ate lunch? With God? Yeah. Yeah. Look it up. God came in the flesh. Who, who came in the flesh, by the way? Which, what God came in the flesh? Who was that? Jesus. He ate lunch with... And by the way, that's a great verse. That's a great question to ask a Jewish person that you want to see come to Jesus. Go, Because see, they, in the Jewish mindset that doesn't receive Jesus, the non-Messianics, you say to them... Um, uh, so well, they say, well, God would never appear like a man. You say, oh, okay. Who ate lunch with Abraham? No, no. 
Well, an angel. Well, angels can't eat lunch. Okay? So it blows their paradigm out. Asher Intrader has a great book called Who Ate Lunch with Abraham? He does. And so it's a great tool. I would encourage you to buy a copy and give it to a Jewish friend who doesn't know Jesus. Somebody should go buy one and take it to Michael Dell here in Austin. That would be great. Maybe I'll do that. I don't know. Um, but Abraham, Isaiah 41.8, was called a friend of God. So he's talking to God like he would a friend. Moses, Exodus 33.13, he talks to God. He says, God, show me your glory. Show me your way that I may know you. If I found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know. So he's just like talking to, and God, I don't have time to go through the whole passage there, but God corrects him and basically says, uh, Moses, I can't show you my face or you'll die, but I'll cause my grace, my presence to pass before you and you can see me from behind. Here's the deal. God, God is more interested in your conversation with him than he is if you say all the words right. He just wants to hear your voice. So an intercessor just talks to God, and you just, you're talking, and it may not be very biblical. It may not be, may just be, hey, I'm having a really lousy day, God. And he's like, okay, keep talking. Okay? He taught an intimate, holy intimacy. He taught Abraham, Moses, they just talked to God. Keep the conversation going. You're not a weird person with, you know, in a, that needs help. You're not talking to yourself. You're not mumbling to yourself. You're talking to the third person, the Godhead, who dwells inside you. Yeah, that's who you're talking to. You're talking to the Holy Spirit. You're talking up to, to God. So that's the first one is, um, let's talk to God. God is more interested in the conversation than if you say everything just right. He just wants to hear your voice. Second, boldness. Second characteristic of an effective intercessor is they were bold before God. They, they spoke out. Back again, Abraham and Moses, they spoke out to God. In a sense, they almost challenged God. I mean, they're like, now they still had respect, but they were like, you know, Abraham, he was interceding. Remember I said an intercessor stands between God and the object of his just wrath. God was fixing to lay it on Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham intercedes and he says, God, bold here, if you can find 50 righteous, will you spare the city of Sodom and Gomorrah? God says, yeah. He goes, how about 45? Yeah. How about 40? Yeah. How about 30? Yeah. I mean, it's like Abraham is having an auction with God. 45, 45, 40, 40, 30, 30, right? Except the price wasn't going up, the price was going down, right? That's a holy auction, I guess. That's bold. You're auctioning with Almighty God, and God kept relenting and went down to 10. 
I don't know if Abraham pushed the limit there, but uh, he went down to 10, if I'm right. Am I correct there? Okay. So that's Abraham. Then Moses, he, he basically, God t- says to him in, in Exodus 3 and then in 4 verse 10, Moses says to the Lord, because the Lord's like, um, Moses, I want you to get before Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, let my people go. Bold prayer. He's talking to him, but he's bold. He's like, God, don't, don't pick me. I stutter. I, I can't, look, I'm, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. Right? That's, that's pretty bold. I mean, the God of the universe says, you're going to. Uh, pick somebody else. But that's what an intercessor is. Be bold. I don't know that we pray bold enough prayers. Ask God to give you the prayer to pray. Don't just throw stuff out there. Lord, I want to, you know. But be bold with him. Push the limit with with things. Because I don't think he gets mad when you do that. What's out of order in your life, your family, your job, your situation, that God's just waiting for you to say, Lord, this isn't right. It ought not be that this is happening. It, it ought not be. And, and Lord, I don't want to try to push it with you. He's like, no, Lord's like, yeah, that's good. That's good. We're talking. Amen. All right. Third, a conviction of God's absolute justice. A conviction. An, uh, an, an intercessor's not arguing with the righteousness and holiness of God Saying, oh, Lord, you know, you're being a little too righteous here. Wait, No, an intercessor understands. We see this in Abraham and Daniel, both Abraham and Genesis 18. Um, with the, with the, uh, he didn't ever argue with God when he was having his auction. He knew Sodom and Gomorrah deserved it. But he was, he was coming as an intercessor before God saying, mercy, not justice. See, but he wasn't arguing with the fact that God is completely holy and just. Yeah, if it's not, if it's not for mercy and grace, where would I be? Where would, I, where would you be? Sunk, that's right. Daniel 9, he prays a prayer for mercy. Both of them, Abraham and Daniel, freely acknowledged that God's judgment on his people was entirely just. Number four. Concern for God's glory. Concern for that God be glorified, and conversely, a disregard for personal interest and ambition. We see this in Moses. I'll get to Moses, his example. But you're more concerned, when you're an intercessor, you're more concerned that God be glorified than that your ambitions get fulfilled that your personal interest is at stake. Intercessors don't need the spotlight. They don't need the platform. Intercessors, I'll tell you this, some of the best work of an intercessor is when nobody sees. Nobody's watching. Some of your best work. And you know, there are lots of lines of work like that. 
Josh Jack got a job recently. He helps improve the power grid prepared in Alice Electric. You don't see what he's doing every day, but when it's eight degrees out and you want to turn on your heat, y'all can all thank Josh Jack for that. He's not doing it for, people aren't watching. You moms, you do some of your best work, some of your best pastoring, some of your best teaching when nobody's watching except them. Grandparents, same thing. That's the intercession. You know, no, nobody, nobody's cl- clapping for you. I was a, when I went to church on the rock in Rockwall, it was a massively in revival, uh, five services a day on Sunday. I went up there, and I, I, was, I knew I was being called to be an intercessor. And so um, they had three youth services, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, because there are so many youth. There were thousands of people that would come there. People would, you'd open the door, and people ran to try to save seats on Sunday morning. Right. They almost like elbowing each other to get seats. And because then they had an overflow room. But on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, and there were all these pastor and I mean ministry people were coming from all over the country to be part of the church. And you know, here I am, you know, and uh, hire me as a, one of your pastors, blah, blah, blah. And I, I knew, for me, I wasn't trying to, it wasn't a trick, but I get there, and I thought, well, what am I, Lord, what you want me? He said, I want you to get behind that partition and just pray for the youth services. And just, no, you don't tell anybody, you just get back there and pray. And uh, now I'm saying, now it sounds like I'm wanting you all to see how great I am, but I really did. I went back there. And I'm on my knees praying. I could hear them, with the, you know, about 100 youth each night. And uh, one of those nights, I'm, I'm, I guess I was rocking. I don't know. I was praying. And uh, I get this, fra- this verse, Isaiah 54, 17, that says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue rising against you in judgment I shall condemn. You shall condemn. So I'm praying this. I felt led to pray that over the... Over the youth, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Well, the youth pastor is up in the other room on the microphone preaching. In the middle of his sermon, he stops and he says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm supposed to share this with everybody. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you. And I'm back behind the partitions weeping because... God said somehow he was like, Glenn, I'm going to use you to get it to him to pray that and do that, okay? So, so that was a, the place of an intercessor, was to, was to do some of your best work when nobody, when nobody sees it. I, had a, I, don't get, I haven't gotten many open visions before, but this was like so vivid was in a prayer, a morning prayer meeting in Rockwall. We had 6 a.m. prayer each day. And I, I had this picture of Jesus was a five-star general. And all the troops were the, were the church. And everybody was at, like, um, you know, inspection. And Jesus was going up and down the aisles inspecting 
And they, everybody had their buttons shiny, their shoes shiny. They're all at attention. And Jesus kneels down in front of one of them and rolls up their pants leg to check their knees to see if there were calluses on their knees. Because that's what he's watching. <laughs> he's looking for those who will say, it doesn't matter that I'm in front of people. It matters that I intercede for fending off of just judgment and for the release of blessing and promises in people's lives. I've never been the same since I saw that. That's the audience we live before. That's what will keep you going. When the crowd dies down and the, and the, the goosebumps go away. All right, I'll move on quickly. Yep, I've got four minutes. I disciplined myself to end at 11.50 so we could go. So <laughs> tether me in. All right. Um, so concern for God's glory, disregard. So Moses, Moses is, God's get, getting ready. I'm going to go ahead and read this, Exodus 32, 10 and following, because God's getting ready to, um, to, to come against the, the people of Israel, and uh, he wants to come against them, because they'd come out of they'd come out of. of of Egypt, and uh, you know, they were, so God's like, look at verse 10, now therefore let me alone, God's saying this to Moses, <laughs> my that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you, Moses, I'll, I'll give you glory, Moses, I'll make of you a great nation. Verse, verse 11, Moses didn't care about that he got the glory. He says, Then Moses pleaded with the Lord to change his mind. Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Look at this, verse 12. Why should the Egyptians speak and say, He brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. See, Moses was like, Lord, if you burn hot against them now and you give me this thing, people are going to look at you. The Egyptians, the world's going to look at you and go, God, God's not a good leader. So, so he put God's plans ahead of his own. So big for an intercessor. Number five, dedication to the task, even at the cost of life itself. Daniel, as you know, got thrown in the lion's den. Are you with me? Daniel got thrown in. All right, for, for not stopping praying. Okay? He stayed to the task as an intercessor. And he got thrown, he risked his life by being thrown in a lion's den. Esther risked her life by going before King Ahasuerus because back then when you went before a king, if he didn't like what was going on there, you got killed. So both of these intercessors 
wouldn't quit. They were dedicated to the task, even at the cost of life itself. Mike Bickle said about these 21 days, he said, they are prophetically an Esther moment for Israel, in which, like Esther, we, the Gentile church, we intercede for the protection of Israel from annihilation as it was when Haman tried to wipe them out. We are in a prophetic Esther moment. Now, most of us aren't going to literally risk our lives this time, but you are going to maybe risk something. Popularity. What are you doing? Fun. Certainly comfort. Pleasure. You're going to risk something. It costs you something. Okay? Socializing. You know, a lot of times, uh, if your call is to be before the Lord, you can't just hang out and visit. You know, it's fun, it's fun to visit. It really is. But we also have a calling. So it's going to cost you something. Uh, number six, a willingness to identify with the people we're interceding for. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice, Romans 12, 15. We see this in particular in, in Daniel and in Esther. I've got the verses there. They prayed, they, they didn't pray, Lord, they have sinned. They said, Lord, we have sinned. You see, that's what an intercessor, they take ownership, they, they feel, they take on the burden, they identify with that, with, with the people they're praying for. We see this contrasted in the life of the Pharisee. Jesus mentions this Pharisee in Luke 18.11, New, New Testament. The Pharisee, this is not an intercessor, all right? But this is a prayer. I mean, he's praying to God with supposedly thanksgiving. What's he thanking God for? Oh, God, I thank you that I'm not like them. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Totally not the attitude. It's not like, oh, God, I thank you that I'm not in Israel right now facing all this. I thank you that I live in Austin and, you know, that there's not a civil war breaking out in my neighborhood and that I'm not, you know, no, no. That's not the idea. It's a challenge for us to identify. <sighs> Number seven. I'm about done here. Yay. Endurance. I was at six and I stopped and went, okay, there's got to be a seventh point because I don't like to stop at six. <laughs> and then quickly one came and it's probably the mo- one of the most important things I could pass on to you and that's endurance. Don't quit. Don't quit. If you don't quit, you win. The other six, I think, kind of set you up to keep, to keep going, we, even when the results seem very inconsequential. Don't quit. Uh, Galatians 6.9, don't grow weary in doing good. Wor- worship team, if you can come up. Don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you don't faint. Endurance. One thing I do to help me with this, a couple of things. When I set this prayer room up in 2007, put a sign out there. 2007, what is that? How many? 
16 years. There you go. Good, quick math. Good. Uh, <clears throat> is uh, I, I wanted us to the Lord. I looked around the room, and this room already had a bunch of, of electric plugs. I was like, huh. So people could like come in here and set their laptops up and just spend all day here and check email and then pray. And, and I felt like, and I still feel like I'm like a Noah nailing nail, nailing boards together to build an ark because when the rain falls, the rain of God's judgment, this will be a very popular place. I'm hoping it will. And Noah, how many years did Noah nail the hammer? At least 100. Daniel fasted and prayed 21 days. And at the end of those 21 days, an angel appeared. What if Daniel had quit on day 20? Would the angel have appeared? Let's all stand, if you would. I'm challenged. So I want to ask you again, will you will you be an intercessor? I just want to give you a moment. You've seen these characteristics in a I don't say that we possess these all now. I just say ask God to help you with these. He's looking for those who'll stand in the gap. And so, if you say yes, you don't need to raise, I don't want it, it's not before me, it's before the Lord for your family, for all the different needs I, I mentioned. a strange church so I'm going to ask you to do something strange I'm going to ask you to make a big circle of this, of this room I'll ask you to get together and we're going to pray together I had that big table in here and somebody moved it I had a, a shofar there I was going to have a shofar in the middle so let's do that now we can put it uh, Greg can you hand me the Where'd the shofar go? It's still on that table. It's okay. Okay. Amen. Let's close up the circle. We can, we don't have to, we can do that if you guys can strongly do that. Thank you. Because I want us to focus on this as a focal point. The uh, scripture says, blow the trumpet in Zion. I'm not going to blow it right now. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic at all. Wow. Kyle said it last week. Some other people said it. In the days ahead, 
the vortex of the whirlwind is going to be right over Jerusalem. There's a whirlwind. The nations, Psalm 2, are going to... The, every nation in the earth is going to surround Jerusalem with rage. But at the same time, the praying church is going to surround Jerusalem with intercession and singing for Jacob. So I want to put this here as a as just a prophetic act. Okay? Some of you are going to go, they, they chanted around a shofar. No, no. That's okay, man. My, my reputation got trashed a long time ago. It's a good thing when you're, it's free. It's free to just say yes to the Lord. This is beautiful. Would you put Psalm 10, put, your, put those verses up there that I had at the first? I'd like us to pray this together. Let's, let's pray this together. I, I want to join the circle. I want to join my, my man Josh here. Amen. Well, right now, first pray for the person on your right and your left just for strength. To just obey God. That's all I want is that we obey the Lord. <laughs> I thank you, God. I'm in a circle of people at this church who are saying yes to you in every way. Lord, we just agree with the prayers that Mike Bickle stood up and prayed when those two angels were kneeling. Lord, may you arise. And we'll just say this, just, just say this together. As you look at this, let's just, if you can see it, I can turn and see it. Just say this with me. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.